Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. You folks do such a wonderful, wonderful job of leading us into worship every week, and just I'm so thankful for you. And um, tell how humble they are. They're all leaving when I start complimenting <laughs> They were here first service, so they, you know, the sermon wasn't that good. So, <laughs> I did you notice a bit of a British accent in Justin's voice? I thought I did. Maybe I'm mistaken, but I thought that I bet they're going to serve tea and crumpets at this thing. Probably they're really getting into this this British thing. I uh, that looks wonderful, and uh, what a marvelous event that's going to be. Hope you'll be a part of it. It, it almost makes me wish we had kids again. No, it really doesn't. I, <laughs> but I tell you, uh, I, in the past several years, I've become more and more convinced of the stories of grandparents and great-grandparents being a part of a, of a child's upbringing. And maybe we'll have a chance to talk about that sometime, but, but I just think that's important as well. And so maybe, uh, maybe you'd want to be a part of that, uh, that activity. I know you, I'm sure everyone is welcome, and they'd love to have you there. Um. I have noticed, and you probably have as well, that as, as time kind of moves forward, it has a way of stretching things out so that years run together. Uh, there, you know, there are different um, events, there are different you know, uh, struggles, there are different victories, there are different blessings, but as, as a whole, life tends to kind of go on and those years run together. But sometimes the events of some years are of such a nature that they don't run together with other years and they stand out on their own. Uh, In our nation, if I were to say the year 1776, most people are gonna know there's something really significant that happened that that year uh, and it stands out. 1941, uh, most people, at least of of older generations perhaps, know that's, that's when Pearl Harbor was born and some things were set in motion. Uh, 2001, um, most of us would kind of appreciate the way that year stood out and how life was changed really forever because of some of the events that happened in 2001, most notably on September the 11th, and certainly 2020, and and bleeding into 2021 a little bit. That's a year that I think that's going to stand out for a long, long time, Uh, not just because of the pandemic, but because of all the other things that are that were going on in our world in, in 2020. Well, in the ancient world, uh, 627 BC was a year that was like no other. It was a year that stood out. It was a time of worldwide upheaval. Uh, it had been three centuries since the death of Solomon when the, the, the descendants of Abraham were divided into now two kingdoms, Israel in the north with Samaria as its capital and Judah in the south with Jerusalem as its capital. Uh, it also uh, was the time when the, the very powerful and very cruel Assyrian Empire had been the dominant world power for about a hundred years. And while, while they were kind of uh, uh, leading the world really in so many ways, God used them to come to Israel and uh, overcome it and actually destroy the capital of, of, uh, of Israel, Samaria, because of the wickedness of God's people. They drifted so far away from God. 
And about 20 years later, the Assyrians will come again and they'll conquer Judah. But rather than destroy Jerusalem, at that time anyway, they will turn it into a vassal state that would serve Assyria. And so the Assyrians will remain in power until a civil war breaks out that sees a shift of power from Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, to this new emerging power, Babylon. And that civil war takes place, or begins anyway, in 627 B.C. 627 B.C. was also the 13th year of the reign of King Josiah of Judah. And it's been about seven decades since they were first made a vassal state of Assyria. But because of what's going on in Assyria and their own internal struggles, Judah is kind of under the radar right now. And they're not really uh, you know, getting much, much flack from the Assyrians. And uh, so things are kind of looking up for them. And not only that, but King Josiah has instituted some reforms uh, that would make one feel very hopeful that, man, this, this nation has a great future. Well, the truth of the matter is they did not have a great future because in reality, they were moving farther and farther and farther away from God. And so it was in the 13th year of King Josiah, 627 B.C., that the word of the Lord came to a young man from the tribe of Benjamin, just north of Jerusalem. He was the son of a priest, and his name was Jeremiah. And our story today begins with these words from Jeremiah chapter 1, where Jeremiah reports what God said to him when the uh, word of the Lord came. He said, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. This morning, we are beginning a journey that over the next few months will allow us to walk alongside Jeremiah as he sees those plans unfold. And I, I think the beginning point of his journey is to see from the very outset that this is not just some random story. That this is not just, you know, Jeremiah was a sharp guy and he made some things happen that were really powerful, but, but God had a plan for Jeremiah. He had a purpose for him. And, and there's no way that Jeremiah could miss out on that. And when he, uh, when he reports what God says, these are the very first words that come from him. Now, I think before we go much farther, one of the things that we have to do is, is ask ourselves, how do we connect with him? Because here is someone who lived uh, 26 centuries before us. 26 centuries. And in a part of the world that is radically different from our own, in a culture that is radically different from our own, and even if it was modern times, it's still a culture and a part of the world that's radically different from what we experience here in Central Texas in 2021. So, so how is he relevant to us? What does Jeremiah's story have to say to us? And I think the way we make that connection is simply look for this parallel and ask ourselves this question, what has God planned for us? What has God planned for us? Is, is our story just random also? Uh, are we just going to experience certain things because of the sharpness that we have or the gifts that we have, and we're going to kind of make things happen? Or is God up to something? And does God have some plan for our lives just like He did for Jeremiah's? Do we 
Do we also sense a call from God individually and as a church as we go through this life? Now, the funny thing about this business of calling people is very rarely do people embrace that call with a lot of enthusiasm. And so if, if you're thinking right now, well, I don't, I don't know if God has called me, I'm not sure of that, and I'm even less sure that I would want to answer that call and really do what God is calling me to do, well, you've got a lot in common with Jeremiah, which is amazing, really, when you think about it. Because Jeremiah was convinced enough of what he heard that he remembered it and wrote it down that before he was born, God made plans for him. God called him. And so what, what you expect from Jeremiah, what you expect to read in verse 6 is, um, he, what Jeremiah does is he grabs a pen and paper and he says, okay, God, what do you want? <laughs> I mean, if you've called me before my birth and, and you've got plans for me that began in my mother's womb, then I, I probably feel a little bit inadequate, but I know you don't make mistakes, and so I must be the man for the job. So, God, what is it you want me to do? Here's Jeremiah's response. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I am too young. In other words, God, I, I, you've made a mistake somehow. <laughs> I am not the man for this. I'm not old enough. Maybe, maybe give me a few years or something. I, I know that you chose me, but I'm just not up to this. Would you find someone else to do the job? Do you think that surprised God? Well, no, of course it didn't. He's God, and he's not surprised by things like that, I suppose. But I think even if he wasn't, it's no surprise. Because this seems to be the standard response that God gets when he calls people to fulfill his plans. And isn't that what you see over? I mean, the Bible really could be thought of as all these stories of God working through people who didn't think they were the right ones. I mean, go back to Moses. Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to tell him to let my people go. And what does Moses do? And this is God they're having this conversation with. Well, God, I'm just not good at that sort of thing. And I don't speak very well. And God says, well, I'll send your brother Aaron with you. Well, but there's this. And they go through about three or four different exchanges of, of Moses coming up with excuses about why he wasn't the right person for the job. Uh, finally, where it gets to the point where God just gets a little perturbed at him. And God says, you're going to go. Whether you want to, if you want to be on the drag kicking and screaming plan, that's what we'll do. You're going to go to Pharaoh and you're going to tell him to let my people go. And there's just so many people out there. There's David going up against Goliath. He's too young also, and a scrawny little guy against a, a giant. In the, the New Testament, it's time for word to be announced to the world about what God is doing through Jesus. And Peter, you're going to be the one to do that? You, you must have been Jesus' star disciple. You must have been the one who always got things right. Well, that wasn't Peter's story. And, and Paul, uh, we're wanting someone now to go out and plant churches and lead churches. Well, this is the same guy who, who persecuted churches. And so I, I just don't think God was surprised one bit at Jeremiah's hesitancy to accept his plans. And I don't think he's surprised at our hesitancy as well. Because you're, you're probably like me. You know full well the experience of thinking, God might have something out there, whether it's something significant or great, it doesn't matter. There's something out there that God wants me to be doing, 
but I can't see it because I can't look over the wall of my own limitations. You feel that way sometimes? Maybe we feel that way as a church as well. I love the slant that one um, writer, Ann Williamson, has on this. She said, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? In other words, there's, there's something that God wants to do that's kind of special. And maybe He's, as a church, He's given us that vision for that. Or as an individual, I, you know, I kind of sense a calling somewhere. But I think, well, people like me don't do that. Churches like ours, we, we don't do that sort of thing. And so we're, you know, we're so intimidated by that. So who am I to do this sort of thing? She goes on to say that, actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some, it is in everyone. And so, so God has, has, has made that possible. That's what God wants to do for us. But for some reason we feel like, well, that's just not me. That's not me. I know God may have called me, but that's not me. And so we, we settle for less than what we could be. And we don't really embrace those dreams that God might have for us. We don't share those same dreams. I like the way one um, Czechoslovakian philosopher expressed this, who was actually martyred by the Soviet communists back in, in 1978. He said, the terrible threat is that we might die earlier than we really do die before death has become a natural necessity. The real horror lies in just such a premature death, a death after which we go on living for many years. And so in other words, we, we just kind of go into survival mode. Just survival mode. I just, I just want to get through. And sometimes maybe that's what we have to do, but is that really a life that we want to live where we just didn't do as bad as we might have done? We just kind of got through and we, we settled for, for mediocrity. God would not let Jeremiah do that. He, he, would, he would not let Jeremiah do that. And so when Jeremiah in verse 6 says, I, you know, you got the wrong man, God. I'm, I'm too young. Uh, I'm not the one who can speak for you. Here's what God tells him. The Lord replied, don't say I am too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. And then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, Look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today, I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. Then skipping down to verse 17, he says, get up and prepare for action. Go out and tell them everything I tell you to say. Do not be afraid of them, or I will make you look foolish in front of them. For see, today I have made you strong like a fortified city that cannot be captured, like an iron pillar or a bronze wall. You will stand against the whole land, the kings, officials, priests, and people of Judah. They will fight you, 
but they will fail. For I am with you, and I will take care of you. I, the Lord, have spoken. There are actually three times in this little part of this chapter where those same words are, are heard. I, the Lord, have spoken. There are so many times when in his life, Jeremiah is going to need to hear these words again. Uh, there, there are so many times where he's just going to kind of get beaten down. And what God is saying right up front here, at the very beginning, when, when Jeremiah is hesitant to even take that first step is, just stay close to me. Just stay close to me, and, and I'm going to get you through. Keep me in your vision, and this is going to work out really, really well. There's a, a memorable time in Jeremiah's life very early on when he is uh, just worn down by opposition. Um, and what often happens when we're worn down by anything, but especially by opposition, he now is just kind of wallowing in self-pity. And what will often happen uh, once we get to that point is we, we get to a, a situation where we're just kind of ready to abandon God's dreams for us and settle for, for mediocrity. And so that's where Jeremiah is. Next week, we'll look at those circumstances and look a little bit closer at that. But I want you to hear what, what God says to him. Early on in his calling, when he's about ready to give up, God said in chapter 12, verse 5, if racing against mere men makes you tired, how will you race against horses? Jeremiah, if, if at this point in your life, life is difficult, and, and you're seeing that, are you going to quit after this first wave of opposition? As, as, you, as you think about your life ahead, are you going to live courageously or are you going to live cautiously? Will you live in the dreams of God or will you just settle for being average? What is it you really want, Jeremiah? Do you want to just shuffle along in mediocrity, living a defeated life? Or do you want to embrace the dreams of God and to live your best life? Do you want to run with the horses, Jeremiah? Or do you want to just kind of hang out in, in mediocrity? And I think as we begin this journey with Jeremiah, the, the beginning point for us is to realize that our best life is lived when it is lived within the plans God has for us. Whether you're talking about us individually or us as a church, our best life is one where we have embraced the dreams that God has for us. And so our goal is not to just survive. Our goal is not to just not do as bad this year as we might have done in years past. Our goal as a church is just not to lose as many as maybe some churches are losing. But our, our goal is to just simply dream the dreams that God has for us and, and to embrace those dreams. Now, as we, as we go through these these lessons and talk about Jeremiah and walk alongside him, we're going to talk a lot about what that means to us individually and how we live this out in our, you know, in our jobs and in our homes, our schools, our neighborhoods. But this morning, I really want to, want to focus on what it means to us as a church and, and talk about it collectively. Some of you may remember that the very first sermon I preached here back in January I, I made a suggestion that you, that you consider something. Um, and that, that suggestion was that, 
that the task before you is not to discern God's plan B for this church. It's not to, it's not to discern God's plan B. Um, in other words, uh, it may not be, and I don't believe it's the case, the more I've been with you, the more I believe it's, it's not this way, that, that God called Justin and Jennifer to some other ministry, and now you're just an afterthought. And now you've kind of kind of come up with a plan B and figure out, well, okay, that was that was really awesome. And and you know, we were doing some wonderful things, but now you know God has something else He wants for them. So we kind of go back and start over and and kind of figure out where we go from here. And I suggested something that that I, I still believe very strongly in that there is the possibility that where you are now in this interim period where you're trying to you know, figure some things out and decide who you are and, and really be on your knees praying for who God is going to lead you, that this interim period and the months and years that lie ahead are a part of God's bigger dream for this church. That it's not plan B. It's not like, well, that, that was good, but it didn't work out very well. Let's do something else. But everything that's happened is a part of this dream that God has for you. And I, just, I think that's a possibility that we need to keep before us. Several years ago, I was preaching at the White Station Church of Christ in Memphis when uh, their, I'm pretty sure it was the 100th anniversary of that church rolled around. Uh, centennial uh, year for that church. And there were a lot of you know, things to celebrate that and talk about what God was doing. And when it came time for the kind of the big Sunday that was the official uh, centennial celebration. One of the former preachers, Philip Morrison, was asked to, to speak. And Philip had preached at White Station back um, when Martin Luther King was assassinated and the riots took place in Memphis. And this done some great things to kind of uh, speak to that community in a day where that didn't happen very often. And uh, Philip's been a great influence on my life for, for many, many years. And uh, maybe some of you have, have met Philip. And so that was a good choice to bring in. And so he, he, he got up to preach and he talked, began to talk about some of the great things that God had done and, and what he had seen in the history of that church. But he didn't really spend but a couple of minutes doing that. And then he paused and he said something that surprised me. He said, don't get too enamored with that sort of thing. And we were ready to spend the whole, whole day just talking about all these great things that God had done. And he said, just, just don't get too enamored with that sort of thing. In other words, what God is doing is not just in the rearview mirror. Your, your future is not back there. Your future is in front of you. And, and, uh, and so the best way to honor the past is to build upon it. And so don't, you know, we, we don't want to look at some period in our past as the golden years, kind of a Camelot, you know, and it'll never be that way again. Whether it's the past decade or it's 20 years ago or it was 50 years ago. But, but God has this bigger story of this church and what He wants to do in you and the way He wants to impact this community through you. And maybe things that have happened up to this point are a part of that plan for God and there are more plans to unfold. In other words, the maybe, just, just maybe, that the best days 
for this church are still in front of you. Isn't that exciting? When you think about what God has done up to this point, that to think that the best days are still ahead of you. And that's not just true collectively, but when you, when you think of your own life, that God has some plan for you. God has something He wants to do through you. And He's not finished. Your story isn't over. And, and even as we get older and, and things happen, and maybe we can look back and see that there were more vibrant times, there were more you know, energetic times, more youthful times, uh, you know, kind of good and bad. That's a part of our past. But where we are right now, there's, there's still more to be experienced. And, and maybe even in those years when we're kind of fading a little bit, there are ways God wants to use that. And there are things that God will do in our lives even when they're near the end. There's more God wants to accomplish. But we have to be in the game. We have to be in the game. I think for individually, that means that we're looking for what, what God is putting before us right now. What, what opportunities to point to Him and point to His love and His grace and His mercy are in our lives right now. And I think collectively, as a church, it means that, that we are looking for our place in the church. And we're looking for ways that we can help others uh, find their place. And we can work together and we can be not just attenders of a church, but be participating members in a church. That we've, just, we've got to be in the game. And so as we, as we look to this coming week and we get ready to really get into Jeremiah next week, these are the words that God spoke to him that I want us to take with us. Because I believe these are the same words that God would speak to each of us. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. And I don't see anyone in this room for whom those words wouldn't be true. God knew you before you were born. And the days of your life were mapped out. And there are things that God wants to do with you. And whenever this church came into existence, there was a plan that God had. And there are things that God wants to do through this church. And we get to be a part of what He's doing right now. And we get to be a part of what He's doing as He moves forward. Before you were born, I set you apart. Get up and prepare for action. I am with you, and I will take care of you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Stay with us as we run along with Jeremiah, as he helps us see how to run with the horses. Let's pray together. Father, I'm just amazed that here we are 2,600 years later, and um, someone that you worked through then is just so relevant to us and speaks to us. And it's, it's you, Father. You're the same God today as you were then, and, and we're just in awe. And Father, I thank you for this good, good church and for how you've worked in them up to this point. Uh, and I'm thankful for the plans that you have that have been embraced in the past and they're still very much a part of who they are and bless them as they move forward. I pray a prayer of thanksgiving for the elders who are leading this church and I pray that you'll bless them and the staff that's here, the ministers and uh, so many others on staff and volunteers and deacons and just so many people who are just pouring into the life of this church. And I do pray for uh, the, the, the search for this next preacher that you will 
absolutely lead that. And that there's a match that you have, that there's someone that you have called that will come and help them to continue to live out your plans for them. Uh, and Father, I pray for us just individually as well, that none of us will think of ourselves as too insignificant for you to do something significant. And I, I pray that we'll not be held back by our own limitations, uh, but we'll simply embrace those dreams that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.